Hey, hi there. Have a seat. You're in the right place. I'm Dawn Scannell, and welcome to From Mindfuck to Mindset, where we kick bullshit to the curb and get clear on what we want and where we're going. So pull on your sassy pants. And as my good friend Marshall said, you own it. You better never let it go. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. The opportunity comes once in a lifetime. Wise words, my friends, wise words. Buckle up. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Conversations with Friends. This is episode number 18. Maybe it's 19 even. I think it might be 19. (gasps) Dawn can't count. Everyone should know that. If you've known me for a minute, you know Dawn can't count. Dawn doesn't keep track. If you don't know me, I'm Dawn Scannell. I help women bounce back and bloom by building their resilience muscle through mindfulness, self-love, personal wellness, and defining their sacred support circle. Um, Because really life happens, bounce back and bloom, baby. So I am here today with Julie. I should have asked you how to pronounce your last name. Oh, it's a good story because it goes right into my business. Take Cac. Take Cac. Take action. Like Tic Tac, only take cack. Like take action. Like take action. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> so we have Julie here today and she is a health coach, but she has a really interesting story about how she came to this place in her life and, and what it means to her. So Julie, take it away, please. Oh, thanks so much, Dawn. What an honor to be here. I really appreciate you uh, inviting me here today and uh, and to have this conversation. I do. I do kind of feel like, um, you know, we're at a coffee shop and we're sitting in as girlfriends and getting a chance to know each other. So thanks for that. So again, my name is Julie Takeak. The, the Take Action is my business name, and that is a uh, big thanks to my husband. Um, we got married back in 2002, and uh, at the time, I was working for the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum. It's in Washington D.C., and I was uh, doing international relations work for the museum. Um, and uh, I actually kept my maiden name, which is Hawk, because I worked with people all throughout the world. And they had a hard enough time keeping track of me. So for me to change my name halfway through wasn't going to work. So I, I, I stayed as Hawk until I changed careers. And I'll get into that in a minute. So you want to hear some more of my background? How, how should we? How, yeah, how you- like the whole Holocaust Museum thing. I find that completely fascinating and brilliant. And I wish I could have been on your shoulder while you did that work. Because it's endless fascinating to me, the whole thing. Like um, my great grandmother's family immigrated right before World War Two from Germany. They were Jewish. Um, and that is a story in itself. The the story of my, my great grandma Nelson. Man, was she a resilient woman. Um, but so I've always been, well, I'm fascinated by people anyway, and humanity. Um, so please do tell us more about how did you come into that? You got it. And it's, it starts with college. So I went to a small Jesuit college in Syracuse called Lemoyne and uh, thought that I would be going to, my intention was to eventually go to law school and become a human rights lawyer. And that all changed in my sophomore year when I took a course called Hitler's Germany by Dr. John Langdon. And that absolutely changed the trajectory of my life. I could not let the history go. Uh, I had learned a little bit about the Holocaust in high school. 
you know, the typical, just the surface stuff. So really didn't know much about it, but was just absolutely fascinated by this history and knew that that was where I belonged. So it turned into, I took some uh, more courses on the Holocaust, some literature courses. I did some independent study. I interviewed some Holocaust survivors. Um, I was uh, lucky enough to uh, actually connect with an organization here locally, because this is where I grew up, um, and interviewed some survivors, did some projects, and then decided to go to graduate school to pursue my master's in modern European history with a focus on the Holocaust. Now, during college, I was very fortunate to be able to do an internship at the Holocaust Museum. It had only been open for three years. Um, and, you know, the institution is just it's undescribable. You know, it's, if you haven't been there, I absolutely encourage you to go. Um, and even if you can't get there in person, go, go to their website because they're, they just have so much great information. And the museum is more than just a museum. You know, it's an, it's a memorial, it's an education center. Their outreach, their programming is, is just so remarkable. So um, I went to graduate school in Washington, DC, went to American University, um, was able to do yet another internship at the Holocaust Museum, this time in oral history department. Um, and then I did some consulting work, uh, you know, kind of very, very part-time um, right after I finished my master's degree. And then a few months later was off offered a full-time position at the museum doing international relations work. It was a brand new position. It was, Dawn, it was very heady. I was, uh, you know, 24 years old and, um, you know, I was working with people around the country, around the world. Um, I can, can I just interject just one second? I'm sorry, but I just want to capture the fact that as a young woman, right? you like just grabbed that opportunity, right? And that, that calling you had yeah. to this mm -hmm. and you just wrapped yourself completely around it and wrote it for all it's worth. So you were there basically almost from like the conception yeah. of that museum. Yeah, yeah. That it was so cool to be part of that so early on and to watch its growth. Um, and, and I left, I'll get to that in a minute, but I left in 2013. So, you know, 20 years after its opening, I watched the growth of a very baby organization grow into this, you know, organ, this institution that has impact, not only in the United States around and around the world, but, you know, with governments, with, with governmental policy, you know, it's, it's really, it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I just thank my lucky stars. You did, you, I used that word with you earlier mission, it was a mission for me and it was a calling. I felt very called to that history. I don't have any personal family um, experience with that. My family background is German. I think our family um, came to the United States back in the 1800s. So there really wasn't any personal connection to it. It was the human connection. I just could not love that. the fact that people allowed this to happen. It wasn't even, it wasn't even the perpetrators that upset me as much as it was the bystanders. Right. Isn't that fascinating? Cause yeah. I've been looking into that a lot lately and I'm not going to get political, but I've been looking at that a lot lately and seeking out all the documentaries, all the books and, and stuff online to read, like, how does this happen? How do people go from being normal, decent human beings to, and they're still normal, decent human beings, but somehow have allowed something like that to happen to their next door neighbors and even play parts in it just, just to save themselves. Like we can wrap my head around the humanity of that, but I, I keep trying to put myself in their place wondering what would I do? 
But Dawn, think about where we are this past year, okay? Now, I think this is the closest that I personally have ever come to experiencing what it may have felt like to live in Germany in that time period. Because here we have a virus that is out there, right? And it is impacting, you know, we when it first started last year, we had no idea how deadly it could be. We had no idea how it was going to spread. We all hunkered down. Look at the toilet paper aisles. Look at the paper towel aisles, right? I mean, we were hoarders, right? And and it was very interesting because I this, this was the opportunity to, for me to say, okay, who am I gonna be? Who am I gonna show up as? So here's what I did. <laughs> I actually hoarded the toilet paper so I could give it away to people. That was what oh. I was like, okay, I'm going to have some, I'm going to make sure I have some, but I, but I know that I'm going to make the right decision. So I would, I would donate it to other people, but anyway, I digress. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's the thing. I mean, that was such a, you know, Nazi Germany was just such a, you know, I, it's, it's hard again to fathom, right? but there are components of it that we live through in our own society. And I think that that is where the lesson is. And that's the brilliance of the museum. I mean, they work with, um, you know, federal judges, they have a program for diplomats, they have a program for police officers and for teachers and for, um, you know, uh, you know, all kinds of leaders. Uh, And that's, that's the point, you know, we don't live in Nazi Germany, but there is a fine line. And uh, we have to walk that we have to watch that fine line and really be, be aware of it more than anything. It's being aware of it. Right. Right. So I'm just completely fascinated and, and would love to have more conversations about all of this with you, but let's stick to topic today (laughs) because that's not where you are today. So what happened? What was the transition point for you? What happened in your life? So I met my husband uh, and we got married in Washington, DC. And uh, we decided that it was time to start a family. And we did not want to raise a family in Washington. I grew up in this area. I grew up in Latham. um, And I uh, wanted to come back home to start a family. So we moved to Boston Spa, love this community. And I, what I was able to do though, because I was not ready to leave the Holocaust Museum. Now this was in 2005 when we moved and I officially started working for the museum in 2000. So in 2005, I went to the powers that be at the museum and said, listen, I we're moving and I would like to continue to work for you. Now, at that point I had moved into development. So um, I was doing some fundraising, not some, I was doing a lot of fundraising in the Southwest, that was my region as well as New England. Don't ask me how that happened, but those were two regions that really were not covered. And so they had me kind of plug the holes, but I wasn't really doing much in New England. So I went to my bosses and I said, listen, why don't we hire somebody to to really focus specifically on the Southwest region? Let me handle New England. You know, instead of flying to where I need to go, I'll work out of my home and I'll drive. You know, so I, my territory was upstate New York and all of New England. So I did a lot of work, mostly in Boston, the Berkshires, Hartford, a little bit of Rhode Island and Rochester, New York was a big community for us as well. So I started doing that, uh, really focusing on that in 2005. I had my son um, in 2006 and my daughter in 2009. And everything was going according to plan. I was living the dream. I had, you know, was able to live the, live out the mission that I felt was laid out for me. I was, you know, fulfilling the calling that I, I felt was, was part of who I was. And I was raising a family and really loving it. 
Things started to change, however, when my job required me to do more and more travel. So I would leave, I would have to leave my house in, uh, on Tuesday mornings, every week, Tuesday mornings, and I wouldn't get home until Thursday night. So I was living out of hotel rooms and I was living out of my car. Um, my husband was a single dad during the weeknights and we had a nanny raising our children. So um, there was a very pivotal um, uh, thing that happened one, uh, one summer afternoon in 2011. And if it's, is it okay if I share it? Because this is, this is the turning point for me. Sure, please. So it was a Friday afternoon and uh, I, uh, my daughter, uh, Ella, was outside with the nanny playing. Um, I think my son probably was on a little play date. And I was talking with my neighbors and uh, we were out in the driveway and my nanny and, and my daughter were there and um, we're just chatting and I see my daughter in front of me. Okay, now the nanny is behind me and her name is Julie as well. She's just a phenomenal human being. I'm so glad to have her in my life. She still is. Um, as a friend. And uh, so she was behind me and Ella fell down. Okay. So now she's about, about two years old. And uh, as any two-year-old would do when they fall down, you know, they pick themselves back up, but then the tears start, right? Okay. So now it's my turn. Now I'm going to bend down. And this is what I do. I bend down and open my arms because she starts running towards me and I'm there to ready to pick her up and comfort her. Only she didn't run into my arms. She ran into the nanny's. She ran past you and passed me, passed me to the nanny's arms. I've told that story several times. And every time I, I, I tell it, I still get that lump in my throat. I will bet you. And I, I remember in that moment, laughing it off um, and really brushing it off to the neighbor that I was talking to, like, oh, isn't that sweet? It's so great that, you know, Ella loves Julie so much and, but no, that was really rough. And it was at that moment that I decided as much and as, as much I loved the mission of the museum and as important and critical that the museum is to this world, it was no longer serving me and my family. And in fact, it was hurting my family. So I had to make a change. So I started searching. I started searching and I knew that I wanted to go into business for myself. I knew that I wanted to be in service and that I had to be mission-based, had to be mission-based. That was very important to me. Um, I also really wanted flexibility. I wanted to be the one raising my children. Um, so, to, you know, ideally to be able to work from home or really work from anywhere was, was what I wanted to do. And that is when I found health coaching. And I started uh, really coaching in the beginning of 2012 and fell in love with it, absolutely fell in love with it. Um, and then uh, decided that this was what I was going to do. So I took about a year, uh, built my business over the course of 2012 and uh, gave notice in October of 2012. And, and my, uh, I said, listen, I'll stay on until January if you need me to. I know you need to replace me. I'll be happy to stay on. And they said, great, but actually, could you stay on until May of 2013? Because it's our 20th anniversary and we need help. <laughs> you know, in terms of they just they didn't have time to find my replacement and deal with that. So I did. I stayed on until May of 2013. And I've been doing this ever since full time. And I just love it. Awesome. That is awesome. I love the story. Thank you for 
for trusting us with a very vulnerable story. I mean, my my heart broke just imagining it, right? My son's going to be 32 at the end of the month. Um, I just can't even imagine in that moment. And then in my head, I'm going, oh, God, and the neighbors are right there. Like, what do you do? Like, oh, that, yeah, oh, everything's fine. <laughs> I got to go now. <laughs> Mother of the year right here. Yeah, yeah, high five. <laughs> Who wants wine? Um, <laughs> like, oh, oh. It's like, but in retrospect, right? Like, had that moment not happened, how much longer would it right. have gone on? Right, right, right. And, you know, exactly. It was a very painful experience to have to go through. And I went through others, absolutely. And by the way, the transition from leaving that the Holocaust Museum and that identity for years, I would say, oh, I used to work at the Holocaust Museum, but now I'm a health coach. Right. Because it was such a big part of my I mean, that was 20 years of my life, truly, between college and the internships and working at the museum. That was who I was. So that, you know, that shift in identity. Um, but, you know, now to be able to well, when kids were in school full time, get the kids on and off the bus. Now I'm able to be home when they're in hybrid school and be available for them as needed. Um, you know, there's just, it's, uh, it's just really fit all areas of my life. Right. And I'd love to point out that there's nothing more valid about one or invalid yeah. about the other, right? Because yeah. I think it's really easy for us, especially as, a, as women, right? To like invalidate what we do is not important if it's not wrapped around education, you know, like yours was so tied to your education and everything. The whole trajectory of that was like, I, I love it so much because how many of us at young, as young women, uh, I will just speak for myself. I'm fit, 59 going on 60. And, you know, I went, I chose to go to college and my mother, you know, left me at college saying, well, perhaps you'll meet a nice boy and get married. So that's what college meant <laughs> for me to her. Like, oh, you'll meet a different kind of boy and get married, a nice boy. Because if I didn't go to college, I'd stay home and meet a crappy boy, I guess. But for her, you know what I mean? And like, that was very much like I can, I can quote three quarters of the, the quotes on my fellow girl's yearbook quote, you know, their senior quote, I'm, you know, I'm going to get married and I'm going to have babies. <laughs> yeah. like, even yeah. at the time I'm going, really, this is, this is, <laughs> this is, that's, this is... that's the bar. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's so much out there in the world. That's really where we're going. And like, by the way, and by the way, right? we do have friends, right? We do have women friends that that is what they want. I have Correct. friends the same way and, and they are so fulfilled. But the thing is, is making sure that you're fulfilled, right? Right. And, yeah. And again, one is not more valid or invalid than the other, right? right? Embrace it fully and stand in your power in it, right? Don't apologize Don't for being apologize a stay-at-home uh -huh. mom or whatever. Like, it, you are doing three people's work. <laughs> and if you're a working mom and have a family, you're doing five people's work. <laughs> Right. So as a woman, you're never just doing your job. Right. Right. We never have one job. Um, so I, I, I really love that you went, yours is very extreme and you, yeah. you're very happy. 
Yeah. And Don, let me share a couple other thoughts if I could, because I think it's really interesting too. I've had time, of course, now to really reflect on this, but you know, so of course I've talked about how important it is that uh, I be mission-based and working for the Holocaust Museum, of course, it has a huge mission. And what I loved about working in the museum was the impact that I was part of. Now I worked, you know, starting off in international relations and then with the fundraising department. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't, in the museum proper watching people go through the museum. Okay. Um, but I felt that I had an impact on the world, uh, through the mission of the museum, but it was very top down. What I love and cherish is that as a coach, I have impact as well. Now it's not on millions and millions and millions of people yet, because I do have a big goal. However, I do have that independent individual. Um, <laughs> we have one of those too. <laughs> um, individual impact that then I see the ripple effect, right? Because when a client starts to take care of him or herself, and especially herself, right? Women especially, it ripples out. Uh, it starts to ripple to the family. It starts ripples to the friends, and so on and so forth. So you know, it, it's just the it's now it's the bottom up is the impact that I get to have, and it's pretty awesome. Pretty right, awesome. right. Because if you think about it, um, that turns that mom into a much different role model for daughters and sons. But you know, as as a woman, you know. We have so much thrown at us as we're growing up as to, you know, what we're supposed to look like and how we're supposed to be and show up in the world as women. That's a lot on little girls. And to see, again, you know, a woman taking her health back and empowering herself to take care of herself in a non-negotiable way. Yes. Is beautiful. In a non-apologetic way. Yes. In a non-apologetic way. And you know, this is this is what um I, I, I say. I probably say hey. it. <laughs> Sorry, we must be getting a delivery. It's Misfits delivery day. So it's oh, FedEx. That's an exciting day. That's an exciting day. I get it. Um that you he or she, your hey. dog. Oh, hey. he's a he's adorable. I he's have two. The other one must be down in the other window. Oh. And they are old. They are 15 and 14. Oh, wow. Boy, he's pretty spry for that age. That's, that's, I have always, I have always cooked for them, says, says the health coach in me. Uh-huh. Good for you. Good for you. Well, that, that explains that we have a two-year-old. I should start doing that as well. Really? Oh, man. Yeah. I can, I can hook you up. Okay, good. Good. Thank you. Um, so let's see what I was saying was, um, the oh, women, women, right. women. And empowering themselves. So we as women, I heard this, I, I, I wish I remembered who the speaker was, but um, I heard this on a podcast at one point where uh, the speaker was talking about how we use the word um, selfless, selfless. And she said, really, is that what we want to be? Selfless? Like we, we're less than? And it got me thinking about how really, and I'm going to be broad here, we don't really ever use the word selfless to describe a man. No. I started thinking about this and I started thinking if I, if I were to think of somebody as a, a man as selfless, I probably would think that that person was not, wasn't using their time well, like they should be more productive or they should do this. Whereas women 
are, oh, she's so selfless. Yeah, like it's something to aspire to. Right, exactly, exactly. And, and then, of course, we have that word selfish, which doesn't feel very good. And a very good friend of mine said that, and it's a male, and he said, I actually don't use the word selfish. He said, I use the word self-full. Ooh. Yes. That's it. Self-full. I love that. I need to write that down. We've got to fill ourselves because especially as women, we cannot pour from our cup if we are empty. And so being selfish really means that you're being self-full so that you can serve more. I am such a better mother. Listen, let me tell you, not only was, you know, work getting in the way, but my own health and my own concepts about myself, my self image and my poor habits and my poor choices, you know, all of those things. And I thought that I was, you know, killing it, but I really wasn't. When I started to take care of myself and focus on myself, and let me tell you, I have failed many a times. And I always tell my clients, there is nothing you can tell me that I haven't done myself. So don't ever think you're going to be judged because I've done it. But when I started to be self-full, I was able to see how many more people I could serve, my own family, my own community, my own clients. You know, there's just, there's more to it. I love it. I love it so much. Um, And I love how there are so many ways that we can impact and empower women. And I love like, like, that's my job do I do too. I do it at a very a different angle because of my own life experiences and what I have to bring to the table and how I can help. Um, but I, I, I just love how many different ways that we can serve other women and empower them and lift them up. Because when we do, we impact, like you said, not just them, it's their family. It's the people they work with. It's the people they encounter day to day. People notice those things. I know because I have people stop me or come into my DMs who hear parts of my stories or find out from other people and stop me and ask me about it. And, you know, it always starts with, I want to be like you. Right. And it's like, well, you don't have to go through what I've gone through to be like me. That's the thing. Resilience is really like a a power, a muscle, a tool. We can massage, we can work it out, and we can become better at it. Mm. Um, Right. And how amazing is it to be able to share that and empower other people through that personal experience? Right. That's what makes it authentic. Correct. More relatable, right? Right. I'm in a safer space knowing that you've struggled. I feel safer and more open and freer to, okay, this is really what's going on with me. Right. Nobody would take me seriously if I didn't tell you all of my stuff. This is how I got here. Here are my receipts, right? Because otherwise I'm just a person who, I don't know, this is my thing, my shtick. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, why would anybody come to me if I haven't walked through some fire myself, if I haven't been stuck in storms that most people don't want to think about? right? But here I am. I'm happy. I'm thriving. I'm doing great. And anybody can learn how to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And not only are you thriving, but now because, because you're thriving, you're now able to help more women do that themselves. And isn't that amazing? Like that's the biggest gift to be able to 
take what you've done and then help other women do that. And then they become better people. They right. And, and that is the ripple effect. Exactly. That is yeah. the ripple effect. And that is how, like, if I get down on myself for like the feeling like, you know, my impact is not, and my reach isn't big enough. Right. Like I, I wish I could, how can I make it bigger? How can I, what do I need to do? Um, what can I create to make it bigger? But if I stop and think about it, that ripple effect, ah, I don't need to see it. It's out there with every person I send back out there who is now empowered and can stand stronger and bounce back quicker and faster because it's not, if you have high resilience, it's not that you don't feel the feelings. It's not that you don't have, when the stuff hits you and knocks the wind out of you, it doesn't mean that you're not impacted by it. It just means you don't get stuck there. Right. right? You move through it quicker. Yeah. Um, like it's your job because yeah. <laughs> you want to get back to happy. Um, so I'm going to ask you a question. Is sure. that okay? Absolutely. Because I would love to learn from you. We've, you know, we're just getting to know each other. I just absolutely love what you offer. Um, and by the way, just, you know, you know that you have people that are impacted by you that you'll never know through this podcast, you know, through, through this venue. Um, that's the, that's the cool thing. That's the really cool thing. So, um, you know, do you have a, a tool or a tip that you use, uh, a, te a technique tool tip technique? Let me, let me say that three times. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely not as simple as having one tip or technique. Um, but really there's four, things that you can utilize to grow your resilience and mindfulness being the power of now is is a big one right um learning how to love who exactly you are right now is a big one it doesn't mean you don't aspire to do all the things change things about yourself but it's re and really to get to that place, you really have to love who you are now. You and have honor to yourself. honor yourself and you have to see yourself as worthy now of yes. that thing here, right? Yeah. Or you're never going to get there. And then um, your sacred community social circle. We all have our people, right? And the smaller, the better, really. It's not like a huge circus tent full of people that are rooting you on. It's those people you know in your life that you can turn to and you can be your most vulnerable and speak all your shit, right? When you're having those days or that time in your life where they go, let me remind you of all the great things about you. This is just a thing that is happening. This is not who you are. Define those people, find them, keep them close, honor them. Don't just go to them when you need them most. Keep them in your life on a regular basis because I can guarantee you they feed that without you even having to be going through crap, right? Mm -hmm. And just an example of that, like when you are out and about in the grocery store or something, you know the people, who those people are and who those people are. Because yeah. you come, it could be the briefest of encounter. And when they walk away, there's two things that can happen. One is, oh my God, my whole aura is tingly again because that person has that thing that just feeds right into me and makes me happy. Even just a brief hello. And then there are those people where you exchange three words and they walk away and you're like, ugh. Right. Like <laughs> for no reason now you're going to question everything about your life today. Yes. Avoid yeah. those people. 
Do not, do not seek them out. Do not bring them into your home, into your life on a right. Don't invite them to things. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Those are my tips. That is a good tip, Don. That is a very important tip. Yeah, I love that. You talked about mindfulness. And uh, interestingly enough, I do a a monthly, we call it a healthy hangout Zoom. And it's really just, it's for, it's a community of people, you know, certainly it's some of my clients and and other coaches that I work with, but it's really for everyone who is health-minded and who just wants more for their life and is looking for more and looking for community. And this is such a great example of that because you just touched upon two things that that I absolutely love and, and talk about all the time. Um, One is that community, right? Um, You know, we, we, and we have to seek it out. Listen, sometimes we are in a situation, maybe it's where we work. Maybe it's sometimes even our marriage um, or our extended family. That is it, you know, those are the well drainers, I'm going to call them, right? They're the, the well drainers. And so we have to seek out the well fillers, And that community is so important. So yes, to in your own life, those friends, those family members, whoever they are to uh, be the well filler for you and vice versa, you're going to do the same thing for them um, is, is so, so key. But then even beyond that, right. To like, for example, this Dawn right now is a well filler for me, absolutely a well filler. So, you know, we happen to connect and, and, and we're, I think both of us are well fillers. I know we both are. And so we, you know, we, we, we seek that out. So, uh, you know, this community is a great example of that very supportive, non-judgmental, real, real, not, you know, Pollyannish at all. This is real. This is real stuff. Um, but rather than staying in the mud, it, we seek to, uh, you know, create change together and support each other through that. So community is one of them. And then the other is the mindfulness piece. And it's interesting because the last healthy hangout I did was specifically on mindfulness and being present, being present. I'm reading a book right now called the monk's guide to happiness. And he, um, he talks about meditation, but what he does, what I love the most is he talks about how to bring meditation, which is truly mindfulness in this, in his description of it into the everyday. So he talked about how, um, you know, when you're, you're driving and, um, you're in a traffic jam, right? Our tendency in that moment is, wasting time. I got to get there. You know, I wish I wish I had gone a different way. Right. We tend to get tensed up in that moment. What he talked about was turning that around and using that as a gift. This is your bonus for the day. This is an opportunity for you to now become very present. Now we're not doing meditation in the car where we're, you know, the kind of meditation where you close your eyes and you're, you know, all of that. No, what you're doing is you're using that opportunity to become fully aware of what is around you. Noticing the breath in, the breath out, you know, just paying attention to the sounds that you're hearing outside or on the radio, what it is that you're seeing. And when you look at those opportunities that we we don't have control over, we don't have control over uh, traffic jams um, necessarily, we can use that instead of feeling out of control, we take that control back. We empower ourselves and we use that as an opportunity for growth in our own day. So, um Anyway, I just wanted, I thought that I wanted to Absolutely. share. Absolutely. No, and it's 100%, 100%. When, um, 
when my second husband died, um, I spent an awful lot of time in my head. It happened very quickly. It was eight weeks from diagnosis to death. So my processing, like I didn't have a lot of processing before he was gone. So, um, and uh, about two years after he died, I was like, I have spent so much time in my head. I need to get back into my body. And so I signed up for yoga teacher training in my <laughs> mid fifties. Um, and it was the best thing I ever did. And I absolutely did it not so much to teach yoga, but it was literally to connect my body again and get realigned. Right. I needed to live fully in myself again, top to bottom. And I still like long checkouts at the grocery store or traffic jams or any of those things, I will completely revert right into my breathing, mm -hmm. right? Like I'll just start doing the breathing and I just really become present in the moment like this. And, and maybe I haven't wrapped it as such, but it, it is a gift. I absolutely see it as, well, if this didn't happen to me today, when would I have taken some time to slow down? Right. So it's like, it's only going to take me five minutes still to get out the door of this grocery store. Why get upset about it for four minutes, raise my blood pressure. Right. Like, it's such a simple thing when you stop and look at it. Like, really, what? Why are we in such a hurry all the time? <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Right. <laughs> what is take happening? Back, take back control. And I and, and listen, I will, you know, we could we could have a whole conversation over that. Why, why we're in a hurry. You know, but even in terms, we are very influenced by the society around us. We just yes. are, we, we are. And if we're not aware of it, we can become even more influenced negatively or positively. But I think part of it is we are in that society. We are in that rush, rush, rush society. So naturally we start to follow along with that. We got to, you know, got to get going. Right. But when you can stop and you can pay attention. And, and one of the things I'll, I'll share this with you if I can, because mm -hmm. This, this was something that I had learned and I thought this was a great technique. You know, when you, when your body gives you the signals when it's time to stop and take a beat, your body actually has those physical sensations. It could be, you know, that, um, that, you know, your heart rate racing, or it could be that tightening of your stomach or the lump in your throat or the shoulders getting tight. That is your signal to take a beat. Because if you don't take a beat, what's going to end up probably happening is, oh, I can't believe I'm waiting this long. I got to get out of the grocery store. I got to get home. I got to da, 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 right. And that's going to keep going on in that cycle in your brain. But when you take a beat and you take a breath, take a breath, that does absolutely take you out of that reactive mode into your responsive mode. It changes the rest of your day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I'm always like with my husband, I'm always like, so you're really choosing to be this miserable right now? <laughs> like, you, you, this is really how you want your day to go. <laughs> and, and he's thinking, I just want to have some, I want some sympathy. <laughs> yeah, no, but he's actually really good because that's because I'm not doing it in a really judgy, like snotty way. It really is just a conversational tone. Like you really want to wrap yourself around that right now. Um, it, he bounces right out of it. That's awesome. He, he like recognizes it. Um, he is some, in most ways, he's more yogi than I will ever be. Like the amount, the, the man just oozes kindness. Um, but yeah. And, and the thing about 
being able to choose how we react to things is everything, everything. Because if I can equate it back to what you do, as far as a health coach is like, if we're already like writing off the day and everything sucks, it's a lot easier to talk ourselves into, well, I'm on my way out the door. I'm going to grab this candy bar, these cookies, and this stupid sugary drink because yep. everything sucks already. Right. Right. But when you, when you take the breath and, and you take your power back, you're like, ah, it's just a minute. Yeah. My water's in the car. And by the way, and by the way, Don, here's the thing. When you, go grab that sugary drink and that sugary snack. You're not treating yourself. Truly. I believe this. You are punishing yourself. Absolutely. Cause and, you always feel crappy afterwards. And so, you know, by saying, Oh, I'm just gonna, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, forget this day. I'm going to grab a Snickers bar. What you're saying to yourself is I am not worthy of better health. I am not worthy of feeling good. I am not worthy. And so you are going down that rabbit hole. And I say that without any judgment because I have been there so many times, right? Um, I get it. But when I do take that breath and I say, okay, what is it that I really want for myself? What is really going to serve me here in this moment? That's when, that's when things get better. Absolutely. And there are times where I look at that candy bar and I go, if I make that choice, I have to be all in. Like I can't be, I, I need to fully enjoy it, really yeah. eat it slowly so I can taste the whole thing. And afterwards I am not allowed no to, right. No guilt. Right. Yep. I love that, Dawn. That's right? intentionality. That's being in your present. That's being mindful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And not choosing to do that every day. <laughs> <laughs> so I, this is why I was looking forward to this conversation so much, because although we work in different realms, we still come from the same, the same, the same roots about, right? The same roots really run through how we do the work that we do. Um, and so it's always, it's always fun for me, especially when somebody is truly in the job for the right reason, not because it seems like something that should, they could do and make money from, right? right. Um, Absolutely. Money comes from when you live in your purpose. I, I believe yes, that yeah, you're taken care of when you're where you should be. Right, right. Um, and I don't, let's, let's just touch on this because I come up against this an awful lot in the wrong way and the wrong outcome. But how do you feel about like health, co other coaches, health coaches, whatever, and competition? Oh, uh, well, I don't believe in competition. Um, <laughs> there is so many people that are in need. Listen, what are there? 311 million Americans? Um, and, and I, and I'm just going to talk weight here for a minute. Now I'm, I'm not a weight loss coach. Okay. Certainly weight is something I can address, but let's just talk weight for a minute. 70% of Americans are overweight or obese. And of the 30% that are at a healthy weight, only 5% are optimally healthy. Right. And I want to focus on helping people to create their best health. So, um, there is so much need out there. And I, number one, don't have the capacity to help everybody. And number two, I'm not the right person for everybody. Right. 
right? right. And, and, and there's different, there's different, oh gosh, there's so many different tools in the toolbox. And sometimes we need a hammer and sometimes we need a screwdriver and sometimes we need a whole different carpenter. So you just, no, I, I don't believe in competition. Just to answer. Right. Yeah, no, me either. And look at this, speak about body talking to you. This is because I briefly talked about my late husband. Mm. <laughs> just briefly. <laughs> happens every time. I'm looking forward to the day where I can have a absolute whole conversation about him and not have my entire body get set on fire. Mm. Um, but yeah, I feel the same way. Like I don't believe in competition. I believe that people are going to be drawn to me because they relate to me. They'll be drawn to you because they relate to you. And if we truly want people to be empowered and to reach their best self or health or whatever, that's what we want. We want them to find their people. And if it's not me, I would be happy to refer them to someone else. Like, oh, you know what? I don't think I'm your person. Right. Let me find you your person because it doesn't matter to me who helps you get to your place. I want you to get to your place. Life is short. Yeah. Life yeah. is short. We yeah, all absolutely. need to be happy. A hundred percent. And, and listen again, you know, I, I just, I, I don't have that. I have an abundance mentality about most things in life anyways. So, um, you know, again, there's just a hundred percent with you, Dawn. And I will say that to somebody, I will say, gosh, I'm not sure that I'm the right fit here. And, you know, can I make a suggestion of who you, you know, I'd love to help refer you to the right person because it's gotta be the right fit for both. Right. It's right. gotta be the both of us. So. Right. And I think abundance, that, that mindset, I think that's very much in the wheelhouse of resilience as well. Right. Um, I think that absolutely thinking that there's enough for all of us, that there's enough happiness out there, say you're a single person wanting to be coupled, believing that the right person is out there and waiting, right? Yeah. Looking, you can still be looking. <laughs> Yeah, you, you but, actually have to get in the car to, for it to drive. But yes, yes, yes. Right? But knowing that you're that yes, it's the knowing it's the it's the confidence in that. Right. And, um, and abundance. Yeah, I love that word abundance. Yes. It, yeah, it's a juicy word. Right. Mm -hmm. It has it has it has the warm feelings in it. So is there anything else that you would like to leave our audience with as a closer? Well, first of all, again, I want to thank you for inviting me to be on here today. This was such a treat and um, I loved every moment of it. Um, I would just welcome anyone who uh, would like to reach out to me by all means, feel free to. Um, and we do, I mentioned earlier that I host a, a monthly uh, healthy hangout Zoom. And our next one is actually going to be on tax day, April 15th. We, we hold, hold them monthly. So if you're hearing this April, April 15th, don't worry about it. You can follow up with me and we'll invite you to the next one. But there's no cost to attend. It's a great community and you're more than welcome to join. Awesome. So I'd like to say that when this, if, if you're watching this, that means I've released it and I've shared it everywhere. And there should be all of Julie's links. If for some reason you lose the links, but you remember she talked to me, come find me, I will hook you up. And I'm going to remember my ask for me. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel so that you won't miss an episode. And this also the audio gets loaded up onto my podcast, Bounce Back in Bloom. If you want to take it with you running in the car on your, when you're walking the dog, subscribe there too, please. Every little bit helps me. Thank you. <laughs>
And it helps us, Dawn, helps us. So thank you. Thank you so much for being open. This was a very last minute add into your schedule. Thank you for accommodating it. I really enjoyed it. I loved getting to know you better. And I'll probably reach out and bother you again just to have a you and me chat on Zoom. Love it. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy your day. See you next time, people. See you next week. Thank you so much for joining us today on From Mindfuck to Mindset. Please hit that subscribe button. You can also find me on YouTube under Dawn's Canal, and you can subscribe there too. You can watch me as well as listen. How cool is that? So you can also find me on Facebook. Into the search bar, just type in the at symbol, no bullshit reset. And that'll take you to my page to find my community group. It's called Fabulously Flawed. So if you put that in the search engine, you will find the group and you can apply to join that group. It's a group of lovely ladies and we're all trying to get our shit together in there. So come join us. You can never have too much shit. All right, where else can you find Dawn Scannell? You can find me under dawnscannell.com. That's my website. And I've always got some freebie or another that I'm giving away on there. So go get yourself some of that. Until next time. Thank you.